Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. To off limits, liberal, irreverent, oh, and really, really gay. Welcome to Gay Mass, everybody. It is Monday morning, right after Sunday uh, night here in Dallas, Texas. Thanks for joining me here on the Off Limits show tonight on uh, Gay Mass. And if you are listening to Gay Mass for the first time, this is a show um, all about gay issues, gay topics, gay news, gay music, gay host, gay everything. So if you don't like gay people, you're in the wrong place. Uh, and if you don't, if you do like gay people, if you're one of us, whichever the case may be, you're in the right place because we are all family. So thanks for joining me here on the show tonight. Um, we're going to talk a lot about several things tonight on the show. We're going to talk about uh, Wentworth Miller and what he revealed recently at a um, at an HRC black tie dinner event. We're going to talk about Boy George's new song, one of his the first new songs he's had in a very long time. Uh, a very good song. I actually like it. We're going to play the song as well for you. Uh, talk about the pink mafia and what that is exactly um, and what it's sometimes criticized to be by bigots and those who are prejudiced and uh, an anti-gay pastor has much to say about um, gay marriage we're gonna play a clip from him also um, a student has been bullied at a um, Charleston South Carolina high school uh, by his teacher and uh, the teacher actually went as far as to actually bully the entire, um, b- bully the student, but also rally the entire class to help him bully the student and call him names. So I'm going to play that clip real quick, two minutes long, uh, so you can hear the story. We'll talk about it. Be right back. And tonight we begin with a lawsuit accusing a West Ashley teacher of bullying a student he thought was gay. Good evening, everybody. I'm Victoria Hanson. Dean will join us in just a moment, but first... 
That student's mother claims the bullying made her son attempt suicide. ABC News 4's Ava Wilhite joins us in the studio with all the details. Ava. Victoria, I talked with the attorney of the former student who says his client, who's only being identified as John Doe because he is still a minor and is still in treatment. The lawsuit claims that his math teacher not only called the student gay, but encouraged his classmates to call him names as well. An eight-page civil suit claims an unnamed West Ashley High School student, now 16, was bullied in front of the class by his math teacher who called him gay. The math teacher is listed in the suit multiple times by name, but is not a defendant. John Doe claims the bullying began last spring and continued for an extended period of time. He says his teacher told the class he was in a gay relationship with another male student in the classroom and that they were boyfriend and girlfriend. The lawsuit also alleges the teacher, quote, berated, belittled, teased, and humiliated John Doe by using names ranging from gay boy to Mrs. Peter in front of the class. Another item in the lawsuit says the teacher encouraged other students to call John Doe names during class. The lawsuit claims negligence on behalf of the Charleston County School District for a number of reasons, including it failed to prevent, discover, or stop the teacher's actions. The attorney for John Doe says the school district has 30 days to respond to that suit that was filed on August 30th. He would not comment on the case because of the sensitive nature. The boy is being homeschooled and is still in therapy. The teacher listed in the lawsuit is still employed at the high school and no criminal charges have been filed against him. Charleston police say they do not have the teacher in their system. We reached out to the Charleston County School District. They declined to comment on the case. Back to you. So we have this teacher who decides that he's going to pick on this student, this male student who's about 15 years old or so, and uh, decides to bully him in class in front of his peers because he doesn't like gay people and because this student is not ashamed of who he is or what he is and makes no apologies for it, and he shouldn't. However, the... Um, not only does the teacher bully the student and um, make fun of him in front of his classmates, but he also uh, rallies his peers to help him make fun of the student and calls him names, belittles him, and tries to make him feel, you know, just like a, like nothing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he, this 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 instructor, this teacher, whatever, um, in my opinion, should be fired. Obviously, now. Before I get into this topic, I want to say that it's unlikely this teacher will be fired. It's very difficult to fire teachers at all because of unions, etc. And I believe in unions, but this there's many instances of these types of things happening in the school systems across the country, and this is just one of many, many, many that have happened. And it's very unlikely that this this teacher will be uh, even reprimanded, actually. Um, depending upon how evolved the administration is. And in South Carolina, I shudder to think that they're probably not the most evolved people. And, you know, that is a stereotype, but it is, you know, they are in the South, they are in deep, or pretty, pretty deep South, and it's very unlikely they're going to be sensitive to this kid's needs. So anyway, um, but this brought up something in me that reminded me of something that happened to me when I was in middle school. In high school, I had no problems with bullying or anything because I was, I don't know, I just, people were afraid of me some, or something. <laughs> I was openly gay and my best friend was openly gay, but everybody picked on him, but no one picked on me. 
don't know why. I don't know if it's because I was imposing physically or something or just because I was very self-assured and didn't care what people thought about me at all in terms of that. So, however, in middle school, um, something similar to what happened to this kid that happened to me, not, not the same thing by any means, but similar to some degree because I had a teacher, um, Mrs. Um, Clark, her name was um, Donna Clark. Uh, she, got remar- or she got married and her name was Donna Taylor later on in my time there. Just want to say her name out loud so everybody knows her name is Donna Clark. She lives in Texas still, by the way. Anyway, uh, Donna Taylor, excuse me. So um, she was a teacher that I had for English and she uh, actually was someone I liked. I mean, I looked at, I thought she was nice and, you know, she was polite or nice to me or whatever. And she was probably young, probably in her, probably in her late twenties at the time. And uh, so we kind of related to her a little, little more, a little better than we did the other teachers we had in middle school because she wasn't old, you know, like I am now or like, you know, in her thirties or forties or fifties, like some of them were. <clears throat> so she, um, so we liked her. And so I, I was always a good student. I was very nice, very polite, very well behaved. I was never, I never caused trouble at all. I was always a very good student and she um, and I got along fine. Well, anyway, and I got good grades in her class. Uh, one day, um, I she had asked the class to write um, something down in English class. And, and she said to all of us, she said, I want you to write something that you wouldn't tell anybody. And just a deep secret, but don't worry, I'm not going to show it to anybody. It's just for you to have. All you have to do to get an A is just write it down turn it in, I'll mark it, I won't even read it, and then we'll I'll give it back to you. And so being the stupid uh, 12-year-old I was, uh, or I should say stupid, I should say ignorant and uh, naive 12-year-old that I was, I actually took a deep, dark secret that I had <laughs> and put it into the composition book that we had. And my deep, dark secret was that I had a huge crush on the band director, Mr. Tony. And, um, I had had one for a very long time. And so I wrote in this, this composition book, I wrote how I liked him a lot. I thought about him a lot and he was like somebody I really could look up to. And I didn't love him like in the Valentine's day way, but I really liked him and blah, blah, blah. And and I, and so of course I, I did like him in that way, but I, I didn't admit it to myself at the time. So I wrote all this stuff in there and I turned it in and that was it. It was the weekend came back Monday and Monday, she actually uh, turned, you know, re- returned all of our um, composition books, and she was acting very, very differently toward me. It was obvious there was a huge shift in her personality and how she was treating me. And I was a very sensitive child, and um, what I mean by that is I could easily pick up on people's, uh, you know, it's things like that shifts in personality or sensitive in that fashion, like sensitive, like I could pick up on things, right? I was also sensitive the other way as well, but um, so I could pick up on uh, on things like that, and I picked up on hers definitely. It was very obvious to me that she was treating me differently, acting differently towards me, and she gave me a an F for the assignment, um, and I was like, "What the fuck?" She told all of us we just had to write it, and we get an A. And I wrote her wrote the whole thing, and I was very good at English. I was a very good writer, and I'd always gotten A's in her class, and all of a sudden I got an F. Right, so I knew instantly that the reason that she was doing this was she didn't like the fact that I was gay or didn't like the fact that I had admitted this or whatever. And I, I was only 12 years old or so. And I, and I hadn't even admitted it to myself really yet. I was, it was before, you know, I had come out when I was 14 
And so I knew that what I had written was perfectly fine. It was grammatically correct. And, you know, it was all, it was a good, good story. I told it well, whatever about Mr. Tony, what I thought about it, whatever. So I knew I didn't deserve an, a, an F. And so I went to her and I said, after the class was let out, I said, why did you, why did you give me an F? And she said, because that story is just not appropriate. I said, well, you said to say something that's a deep, deep, dark secret about it, ourselves. And um, so I did. And you said, we get an A. All we had to do was write it. And you said, she said, well, that's just not an appropriate story. I said, well, I don't deserve an F. And so I'm going to take this to the principal and blah, blah, blah. And so I started telling, threatening her with that. And she said, it's just she kind of like re- relented eventually, anyway, ultimately. And she turned it to an A. And so from an F to an A. So obviously she was retaliating against somebody she didn't like for being gay, right? Well, okay, so that was the first thing that happened. And then after that, over the next few weeks, in her classroom, like one time I had, um, I was using a pen instead of a, or a pencil instead of a pen to write my answers on a thing in class. And she looked back and she said, she said, why aren't you using a pen? You're speaking a pen. She jerked it out of my hand and she said, um, you can't use this in this class. And she started just being a bitch to me, right? Complete cunt, just for no reason. And I was just like going about my business, right? And so um, I, I just went on and kind of ignored it. Well, that following week, I was in the hallway and I was um, walking to my lockers and uh, my locker was on the bottom row and, uh, you know, we had two rows of lockers, like the, ha- the half height lockers, you know, not the full, full length ones, but the half height ones. So mine was on the bottom and um, I was in middle school. I was like seventh grade, right? <clears throat> and so I was opening my locker. I was on my knees, opening my locker. And then Jamie, Jamie, what's his name? I can't remember his last name. Jamie something shield maybe I can't remember his last name but anyway came up to me and stuck my face he and his three other boys uh, stuck and stuck my face in his crotch and said you like that don't you you like that you faggot and you know stuff like that and uh, I just like pulled my head away I kept pulling my head away from him and I looked out of the corner of my eye and, and this is between classes right this is between classes I looked out of the corner of my eye and there was Mrs. Taylor Clark Taylor whatever standing there next to her door like she always does and her door is directly across from my locker doing nothing just staring and looking at it the whole thing happening not doing anything and they're just completely just like you know essentially um you know bullying me doing nothing about it didn't say a word to them didn't do anything didn't help me to stop that whatever went on for a minute or two finally i was able to pull my face away and um stand up and um then they walked away and uh they went off yelling things at me or whatever and um so i was humiliated of course and um i looked at her i looked at her and i was i was i wasn't crying or or like to the point i was going to cry it wouldn't make me didn't make me feel that way but i remember i felt betrayed and and um embarrassed of course but betrayed that a teacher would do that would allow that to happen and I had, because I'd always trusted teachers until that moment. I trusted them until that moment when I was 12 years old. And I knew that she was just a human being with a bad personality. And um, she couldn't be trusted. And that meant other people couldn't be trusted. Other instructors couldn't be trusted. So that was sort of the beginning of my hating authority and, 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 and not trusting authority. And so one more thing that happened in the result of that, the end of that year, uh, the last day of school that year, we had a baseball game where all the teachers were were playing and teachers and students were playing against each other like on different teams. And one of the teachers that was going to be in it was Mr. Tony, my band director who had a crush on. 
And, um, and so I knew this. And so I made sure that I went and I brought my camera and remember I'm only 12 years old, right? So I'm, you know, I'm not thinking about how this looks or whatever. So I brought my camera and I'm on the outside of the, the field and they have like the chain link fence or whatever. And I'm looking through there and I'm watching him. I'm behind the home plate. And up comes all the other teachers and stuff from the classes and stuff. And she was one of them. And she was standing right beside me. And I was taking pictures of Mr. Tony playing the game. And she she started yelling, looking at me. She started to go, she goes, um, what are you doing? Haven't you ever seen a fucking, or she said, no, say fucking. She said, haven't you ever seen a baseball game before? You act like you've never seen one before. Why are you taking pictures? So what are you taking pictures of? And she literally started bullying me literally bullying me in front of all the other students and all the other teachers who were out there watching the game. And Mr. Tony, I don't remember if he turned around or heard her or what, but um, I had a sense that she had told him what I had said, okay? And he already knew I had a crush on him because of some other things that happened before this, which is going to go in my book, which is a huge, huge deal, which I'll tell you about in my book, which you can read later. But anyway, I'm done with it. <laughs> but um, she, uh, so she just basically attempted to... Um, embarrass me and humiliate me which worked and so as soon as I got a couple pictures I walked home and I left and walked home and so I was the victim of bullying by my own teacher to some degree as well and so I know this this student who just some small and so some small degree how he felt um, being bullied um, by your instructor oh by the way David in the chat says what a bitch too bad you can't find her let, let her know how you felt um I actually did find her on Facebook. She still lives in Texas, and I emailed her uh, through Facebook, and I told her, I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I remember you, and you were a real bitch to me in middle school. You did this, you did that, blah, 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 and, you know, you're a cunt. <laughs> so, and I told her it was going in my memoir, in my book, um, and that's just one instance. instance. That's not the entire the entire story there's much more to it and there's much 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 more to it that involved mr tony what happened with that whole situation which um when my book is finished uh you can actually um read she never responded to me she didn't respond she did not respond at all she didn't say go fuck yourself she didn't say you know i'm sorry i was horrible i was stupid or i was right or what she didn't say anything she didn't say one word to me nothing so it didn't surprise me that she would be that way, but that's what she did. So anyway, that was that story. But I wanted to to illustrate to people that that and I remember how I felt when in middle school when that happened and how how isolated I felt. I was already bullied in middle school enough by people um, because I was gay, even though I wasn't yet aware of it myself. I was aware of it, but I wasn't admitting it to myself at 12 years old. Um, and I. Um, it didn't need the same kind of uh, vitriol and hate from people that I, at, up until that point, I actually trusted. Someone I actually trusted and looked up to and actually felt was, was my friend or looked out for me because I had grown up around adults. I had grown up around my grandmother, my mother, my grandmother's friends, my, my older family, my older cousins, people like that. I was the youngest in my family, so I'd always been around the people who were older than me, and I, always, I never really at that point in my life was around that many people my own age except people in my own neighborhood and close friends I had outside of school um, and people I had in school a few friends in school so I was very comfortable with people older than myself and I trusted them until then so you can't really trust anybody and you have to remember that just because someone's an instructor or a teacher does not make them an evolved an evolved human being does not make them someone who's actually um, um, 
sensitive to what a child may need, a teenager, a child, a tween, whatever. And unfortunately, people are incredibly, incredibly cruel. And, you know, basically she is a, she was a bigot. I'm sure she's a Republican. And I looked at her husband on her Facebook page and stuff that she's married to, you know, some like, you know, you know, you know, like kind of guy, you know, with a fucking cowboy hat and shit like that. You know, exactly the kind of person I figured she would end up marrying, whom I didn't see at the time. I never met him, of course, when I was in middle school. So anyway, that's uh, a little about gay bullying. But you have to be aware that those kinds of instances, I got it. You know, like I said, in middle school, I was bullied. Um, by the time I got to high school, I wasn't. One more incident when in middle school, I was bullied by this guy. Very short, two second story. I was in gym class, I remember, and I was in eighth grade. And by eighth grade, I was 13 years old, and I was a little more um, self-aware uh, and more self um, um, had more self-esteem about being gay by that point. And so I was in gym class, and we were about to leave before the bell rang. And so we were all lined up at the door. I was the first one next to the door because I hated gym, of course. And so I was lined up at the front door, and the, the, the guys behind me, and we're waiting around for the bell to ring about five minutes before it starts. And this one guy who always looked at me and is always looking at me weird or whatever, which he probably because he was closet homosexual. But anyway, what he actually said to me, um, he's like, he's like, I was standing up against the wall. My back was to the wall. He was in front of me. He goes, are you gay? I go, what do you mean? Am I gay? He's like, are you gay? I go, I'm very happy. Thank you. That's what I said. That's not what and everybody laughed. All I got other guys laughed. And I, I go, he goes, that's not what I mean. I mean, are you gay? Do you like boy? Do you like to date guys and have sex with guys? And I, I was like, why do you want to date? <laughs> and he said, it's so I kept going, I kept going on and all the guys were cracking up and laughing at his expense. He's like, shut up, shut up. I don't know what I mean. But the bell rang and then I left. So, so by the time I was 13, I got, gotten to the point where I really felt, you know, um, more self confident about being gay. I didn't bother me anymore. And I began to accept it. So by the time I was 14 and went to college, I mean, high school, excuse me, I was completely fine with it. I had come out by that point um, at 14 and um, no longer had an issue with it. So, uh, and myself, and I think that's probably why I was never picked on in high school at all. No one picked on me. No one bothered me. I think, you know, I'd also grown to my full height and everything. And so people were not bothering me because I, they knew I was, I, even though they would say things behind my back and they would whisper or whatever about the fact that I'm gay, people who, you know, I didn't know. I was so self-confident about it. Nobody fucking bothered me. So it didn't bother me at all. Whereas my friend Ryan at the time, he was very, very flamboyantly gay. Um, not like effeminate, but just a flamboyant. If the difference being effeminate being like, ooh, girl, you know, whatever. He wasn't effeminate as much as he just was flamboyant. Like he was very dressed. He dressed very fashionable. Like he, whatever Madonna was wearing at the time is what he'd be wearing essentially in the male, the male uh, version of <laughs> and when Madonna shaved her eyebrows off, he shaved his eyebrows off and drew them in. I mean that he was like that. Okay. So he got a lot more of the brunt of it than I did. He got, you know, picked on or, or, or bullied in, in high school, but I didn't. And I think that's why, because I was really self-assured about it by then. So, okay. Going to come back in a minute and we're going to talk about, actually, I'm going to play you real quick. Boy, George has got a new song out and, um, it's called The King of Everything, and I just heard it today. I really like it. It's different. It's not maybe what you would expect from him, but I like it. And um, it's talking about his sort of fall from 
from fame that he's had, his rise and fall and fame he's had over the course of his career. So I'm going to play that for you and come back and we'll talk some more. I'll be right back. He is cute, he is sexy, he is a superstar of pop music and he's here to stay even though he's only 22. Please help me welcome the lead singer of Culture Cross, Mr. Boy George. Down the booze, let the demons win the fight. I drop my gloves to the ground. You know I'm sorry for the times I made you cry. I need an order letting you down. I used to say it's only me I'm hurting. But I saw you on the stairs. The kid was crying and the dogs were howling and a siren filled the air. What's the word on the street? Have I lost my crown? Or will I be king again? What's the word on the street? Have I lost my crown? Will I be king of everything? Tempted myself time and time again. Like self-destruction was so cruel. I mocked your tears and I scarred your heart. Blame the past, and I blame you. Used to say it's only me I'm hurting, but I saw you on the stairs. The kid was crying, and the dogs were howling, and a siren filled the air. What's the word on the street? Have I lost my crown? Will I be king again? What's the word on the street? Have I lost my crown? Will I be king of everything? What's the word 
Okay, so that is um, Boy George's new song, King of Everything. Like I said, it's not a song you might expect from Boy George, but I actually like it. I think it's nice. It's a good song. I mean, it's a good song. It's not like, you know, a song I'm going to write home about, but it's a good song. I would listen to it a few times. That's for sure. So there you go. Yeah, uh, Boy George has had a very illustrious, illustrious career, but for the most part of his life. But uh, he's also had a lot of bumps in the road. If you remember, he was actually arrested I don't know, maybe five or seven, eight, nine years ago. I don't know, somewhere in that range uh, for false imprisonment of this uh, guy that he had in his apartment, apparently kept in his apartment, um, tortured him or something. Or I don't really know what happened or had sex with him. I can't remember what it was exactly, but something kind of uh, shady. Hold on a second. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I need a mute button on my mic. Sorry. Um, anyway, so hold on. Uh, Sorry. So anyway, he, he's been kind of all over the place. And he actually, there was a documentary, not a documentary, a movie about him that was made. And I can't remember what it's called. Um, I think it was one of his song names. I can't remember which one. But anyway, it was a really good movie uh, uh, about his life and his, you know, what happened to him and kind of how he went from being really, really, how he went from nothing to being famous and then kind of losing it to some degree because of drugs and alcohol and his own issues, demons. And I think those demons kind of followed him throughout most of his life or have, and he's like 50 now or 50 something, I think. So it's amazing to think that he's that old now, but he is. If he's, if he's old, that means I'm old because <laughs> he's, he's like 50 something. So he's probably, you know, uh, when I was young, he's probably like twenties and I was like in my early teens i guess so anyway that's the new song by boy george so a few more things i wanted to discuss were um or one of the things i want to talk about was there's an anti-gay pastor uh that actually um has something to say i want to play this clip it's a two-minute clip as well um and i wanted to play this clip for you because this guy is a complete asshole first of all and this is but he he's representative of a lot of people of who do not believe in gay marriage specifically gay marriage or just don't believe in gay people or believe gay people are horrible or disgusting or whatever the case may be and he has a lot to say about um gays getting married and i want to play that and and we'll talk about it i'll be right back it's the denial of free enterprise. It's the denial of freedom of speech. It's, it's what the pink mafia does best. It's what the fascists do best. And, and don't forget, friends, the Nazi party had their birth in a homosexual bar or homosexual bar scene in Berlin in the 1910s, 1920s. Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. That this is what, this is, this is what homosexuals do best. And, and they will engage in their pink mafia, their effort to control and to shut down businesses that do not uh, cooperate with their agenda. The moral of the story may be to stay out of the wedding cake business for now, or at least only engage this business by word of mouth. That may be. But, but here's, here's a question we've dealt with before on the program. Should you attend a gay wedding? Now, n number one, I have no problem attending happy weddings. Okay, if there is a gay wedding and everybody's gay, everybody's happy, 
I have no problem with people attending a happy wedding, okay? But I'm not real big on attending neuronic weddings. So I just I draw a distinction between gay weddings and neuronic weddings. And people say, well, what's a neuronic wedding? A neuronic wedding is what Nero came up with when he said, hey, let's do same-sex weddings. Okay, that came from Nero. It was the, he's the namesake for this kind of abomination. <laughs> it's very popular today, outrageously popular. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling how popular it is. Now, Dave... However, I have been an exception. I think you can attend a wedding if you hold up a sign that reads Leviticus 2013. I think, I think that would be appropriate. I think that would be appropriate. Yeah, that you could attend a wedding and hold up the sign Leviticus 2013. And, you know, word for word, a man sleeps with a man as he sleeps with a woman. The two of them have committed abomination. They shall both be put to death. I mean, you could, you could attend a wedding and hold up that sign. So if you get an invitation to a homosexual wedding, and I guess, Dave, it comes down to if you bake a cake for a homosexual wedding, you could put Leviticus 2013 on the cake. All right, so <laughs> lots of things to respond to in that little clip. Yeah, so this guy is indeed a pastor. He is a pastor in, I'm trying to find it. Hold on a second. I think I still have it in here somewhere. Where is he a pastor? Hold, I'll find it in a minute. Um, but he's a pastor, and he was talking about what got their 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 conversation started, essentially, was the whole, I don't know if you guys know or have heard, those of you listening to the show right now, um, about the issue. Oh, here it is. He's anti-gay pastor and host of Generations Radio, Kevin Swanson. Um, it, that's his. That's who this guy is. He's a right-wing nut job. Anyway, so he was talking about the fact that there was a store or a wedding cake store. I think in. Um, I think it was in um, Seattle or, or somewhere north, somewhere northwest or something. <clears throat> um, excuse me. And so he was talking about that essentially, and the fact that. Uh, there are, uh, there's this, this particular wedding cake store that would not sell a wedding cake to a gay couple that came in there requesting a cake for their merit, their, um, what their reception. And so he, this guy, so they actually ended up suing the bakery for discrimination. Um, and because this guy would not make a cake for them, um, simply because they were a gay couple. Now I have... First, before I talk about the rest of this and the pastor and stuff, I want to say about this particular issue. Um, I don't know how to put this. I think when it comes to our civil rights, that uh, you know, if you look at it one side of the coin, um, that business has a right to serve somebody or not serve somebody. Period. Okay, as long as they're not discriminating against people, because we have these laws in our constitution as well. Uh, and we want equal treatment under the law, blah, blah, blah. So you cannot discriminate because of the um, Civil Rights Acts of 64 or whatever. You can't, or 63 maybe. You can't um, do that. And you can't discriminate against someone because of the race or the religion or whatever the case may be, or creed, whatever, right? So you have to serve everybody. That's why they had the whole things in, the, the, um, in Alabama with the Freedom Riders and who were sitting down at the lunch counters at Woolworths, who, and they weren't allowed to sit there because they were black, um, that's one of the things that that prevents from happening is that law that prevents, you know, people from not serving people because they're black or whatever, don't like them, whatever. So you still, if you have a business in this country, you have to serve people all the same, as long as they're not, you know, disrupting or causing harm or threatening or something like that. Right. <clears throat> or even for other reasons, like they don't have a shirt or shoes on or something like that. Anyway. So because of this law, it, 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 that's why these people are wrong for for not doing it. However, gays are not part of that protected class, or they weren't, however, until the Supreme Court ruled that we are a protected class, and that's why we 
um, are now have the right to gay marriage in this country, as federally anyway. Um, so even though it hasn't necessarily been added to the Constitution that gay, gays, lesbians, whatever, have the same protections as blacks or religion or whatever else it might be, it has been ruled and deemed by the, the um, Supreme Court that we do. So it's just a matter of paperwork so far. But anyway, my point was, does this, this bakery have the right to turn away these gay people because they're gay if they don't agree with them, if the law does not yet state that, that they're protected necessarily? I think that it does under the law, but what is ethically right, what is morally right, what is right for someone to do is another question. And these people think and their morality is at odds with these two gay people coming into their bakery. Well, I, I would not want to you know, make a cake for somebody who came into a bakery if I owned it that said, oh, God, we love George Bush or, oh, my God, I love, you know, uh, Ann Coulter or something. I would want to make the cake, but I would make it anyway. It's a fucking cake. OK, it's a fucking cake. I mean, just write what the fuck you want on there. Put two men on there, two women on there. Put Ann Coulter on there. George Bush's little bobblehead on there. Whatever. It's just a fucking cake. It doesn't represent what you yourself believe in you know it's just a fucking cake so i do think that it's great that they sued the bakery and that it's great that they actually um are actually being forced now to either serve gay people or close and they chose to close which is fine by me so back to the pastor what he was saying first of all he equates gays with nazis in that speech i just played and he uh, says being gay is the same as being a Nazi. He doesn't say it that way, but that's essentially the equation he made in that speech. Uh, secondly, he calls gays part, part of what he calls the pink mafia. Now, this is not the first time I've heard that term, by the way. And that term has been used both pejoratively as well as, you know, in the affirmative. And I think that um, I think there is no truth to there being a pink mafia. I mean, if there were, I would know about it by now. <laughs> but I I don't think there's a pink mafia per se. And I think perhaps this man is simply saying in his viewpoint that gays are a mob and they're trying to take over and trying to tell him how to live his life or whatever. And um, that's not true either. But people often see whenever gays band together or blacks band together or any minority group bands together, they see them as a mob or the mafia of some sort or a threat. And the reason he's threatened is because he knows that we have the law on our side. So when it comes to um, Leviticus, he keeps quoting Leviticus and saying it's right for him to go in, say, Leviticus 2013 or whatever. And what always, always, always gets me about Christians and Leviticus is, and I had a whole show. I had an entire show. I think I posted it on Spreaker um, a month or two ago. Um, I did it on BTR, but I posted it on Spreaker a month or two ago, I think. And it was called the book of Leviticus, I think is the name of the show. And the entire show, I talked about why the book of Leviticus is complete bullshit and why it no longer applies to us, nor has it ever applied to Christians because it's the Old Testament. And there is an actual passage in the Bible that says that as a Christian, you can ignore the Old Testament, which is such bullshit anyway. But anyway, so if you are a Christian and you still follow Leviticus, you're following an outdated, outmoded way of thinking law that no longer applies. The other part of it is, the most hypocritical part of it is, of course, is the fact that so many people who follow certain parts of the Bible don't follow others. They, they say they follow one part of Leviticus and they won't follow another part. 
Um, you know, so they'll say, oh my God, Leviticus says that gays are evil, disgusting people and they are abominations or whatever. It also says eating shellfish is an abomination. And so is, um, when a woman is menstruating, she shall be cast outside the city for 40 days or four, four days or whatever it is, um, until she's clean again. And if she's not clean, then, and she remains in the city and, or you have sex with her at that point, you are now an abomination. It says so many things. It says you shall not have two cloths of the same, uh, the same person wearing two two types of cloth in the same body or whatever person at the same time. So you can have wool and you can't have cotton on the same garment at the same time because of Levitic- Leviticus. So nobody follows Leviticus anymore. So it just is so bizarre to me that everyone, when it's someone who's anti-gay, decides all of a sudden to pull out Leviticus and say, well, Leviticus says this about gay people when they don't follow anything else. Leviticus is a code of conduct, is a biblical code on how people were supposed to act at the time of that writing that they were written at the time. And it was specifically for Jews in Israel or Islam or Israel, excuse me, or Jerusalem, I mean, at the time. So it is not about anything else but that. And people yet still take it and extrapolate to today. It's such a fuck bull, such, such fucking bullshit. I am so tired of hearing it. So anyway, oh, wait. Uh, David says, yeah, it's just the fake Christian bullshit. And when they die, they're going to have a big surprise. <laughs> yes, I know. Cause you know, you know, tell me something for those of you who are Christian and you believe in Christianity and you, when you die, you go to heaven, you know, all that kind of stuff. Tell me who exactly do you think is going to be, uh, doing the party decorations up in heaven and design it, the interior design, the architecture, um, the makeup and everybody's hair. I mean, if you believe in all that stuff, uh, then somebody's going to do all that stuff up in heaven, okay? It didn't just happen magically. And it's going to be the gay people, just FYI. So keep that in mind. Anyway, so um, <laughs> well, that's that about that. Um, what was the other thing? Uh, uh, blah, 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 boy George Wentworth Miller. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to come back real quick in a second, talk about uh, Wentworth Miller, wrap up the show, and uh, we'll be right back. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman Giving all your love to just one man You have bad times And he'll have good times Doing things that you don't But if you love him, you'll forgive him Even though he's hard to understand Oh, 
Some Tammy Wynette with Stand By Your Man. Okay, so I thought I'd play that real quick because it's a short song and I wanted to talk a bit more. Um, so, oh, I think, you know, in the future when I do this show, the gay mass show, I'm going to actually start drinking. I think it would be more fun to just drink when I do the show, you know? <laughs> I think I'll start drinking like some wine or maybe every every Sunday when I do gay mass, I'll do, um, I'll do a, uh, some margaritas or make me a batch of margaritas or something like that. Or it was some Patron or something. I think I'll start doing that in the next show. Anyway, so, oh, Chris had to ask me a question earlier, and I asked him to ask me again. He says, what year were you in middle school, and do you believe things are different today? If so, why are they? Why are things different? Uh, oh, uh, I was in middle school in 86 to 88. So 86 to 88, 86, 87, yeah, 86, 87, 88, I was in middle school. And um, do I believe things are different today? If so, why are they different? What do you mean things different today? In middle school or do you mean in general? In general, no, things are not different. The, the, the people who existed then exist today. Do I think the majority of the population are, um, majority of the population are um, actually um pro-gay in America these days. I don't think that I know that. 52, 54% or something. I think it's 52% of Americans today polled after the last election are pro-gay marriage, pro-gay rights, pro-gay equality, 100%. Whereas 10 years ago, it was like 36%. So there's a huge jump in public acceptance of gay people. And I think things are better uh, in, in, in that sense, yes. Uh, but I... I think that they're better mainly because the old people are dying out. <laughs> I think I think the people who were running the country at that time and the people who are you know just like before me and it's it gets progressively better for any group of people um, because the old the old moronic idiots who base things on their religion or base things on things that have nothing to do with equality and the true meaning of the Constitution are dying away. People, old men who've been in there since they, you know until they're 101 year old senators and congressmen or whatever judges and and uh, justices whatever are dying out, and uh, that whole generation is going away. The baby boomers are dying out. Um, the first half of them anyway. There was a lot of baby boomers. My mom's one of them, um, and hopefully she'll be around for another 20 years or so at least. But um, they're dying out, and so even though the entire generation did not think that way, the majority of it did. They had certain values that they were brought up to believe in. And they had certain ways of thinking about, um, you know, gay issues and ways of thinking about gay rights or, or, or black people or Hispanic people or people who are minorities in any way. And I have people like that in my family. My aunt, my aunt, um, who is uh, my mom's sister, who's older than her. She's like 16 or 18 years older than my mother. 
16 years older, I think, than my mother. Uh, she's like that. She's very, very um, anti-gay. She thinks that they don't, gay people shouldn't be able to get married. Uh, she, when my mother married my dad, she was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because my dad was black. And I mean, she just had a conniption about everything all the time. Um, so, you know, I think that once they die out, things will be better. And I think the younger, the younger generation as a whole is far more accepting of gay people than the ones before it. And when I say that, I mean the generation younger than myself. I'm Generation X, or the X generation, Generation X, right? That's what my generation is called. The generation behind me is Generation Y, or the Millennials. Um, and so those generations really don't give a shit about people who are gay or not. A lot of them are themselves bisexual or at least very open-minded about sex and not hung up on labels or hung up on what uh, the Bible says or the religion says or what their parents told them. They think for themselves, and that is the key. Um, just like Generation X as a whole did the same thing, you know, Generation X was very um, weary of authority. I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. Um, but generation, the new generation coming up really doesn't care as a whole. Now, there are, are, of course, people who are still brainwashed by their parents, their family, their religion, their pastors, their priests, whatever, to believe something simply because they're told it by their pastors, their priests, their parents, whatever, or their friends, instead of actually thinking for themselves. And this is what I always say. Think for your fucking self, people. Do you think people are more accepting now because of gays in the media, sitcoms, TV shows, talk shows, etc.? Um, yes, David, I saw that. Uh, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that part of it is, like I said, people are dying out and generations are changing. And I think that, as I've always said on my show in the past, the only way to change someone's mind about you or about a group of people in a positive way is for those those people to know them, to get to know them. And so as a result of there being um, positive gay characters on television, gay, lesbian, transgender characters on TV that are portrayed as real human beings and not just some caricature or stereotype and documentaries about people and seeing more about gay people in the news, beatings and, um, um, you know, gay bashings, et cetera. And the things that gay people have to go through as couples, because we don't have, all of us have all the rights, equal rights under the law. As a result of seeing all these things and being exposed to them, people are beginning to see gay people as human beings and not sexual beings. Because the problem was, people like Anita Bryant and stuff in the 70s and the 80s, uh, when gay people were just beginning to get rights after the, after the 69 Stonewall riots, um, through the 70s, gays were beginning to get rights. But then AIDS happened in 1980-81, and as a result of that, that was used against gay people as a campaign against them to say, oh, look, gay people are gross, disgusting people. This is God's punishment on them. And uh, even though anybody can get AIDS, they looked at it like that and they, they couched it that way. They took the opportunity to make gay people all about sex and look at gay people like people who go to bathhouses, people who go to and just have anonymous sex all the time or whatever. Instead of looking at people who are in loving, committed, long-term relationships, or you know, all of it is part of the community, but they just focused on one side of being gay, the gay sex side, not looking at gay people as human beings. And that is the difference here. And so the difference has been that they now see gay people, people are beginning to see us now, as human beings, whole human beings, multidimensional beings, just like anybody else, just like a heterosexual would be. Just like a heterosexual is not just someone who goes out and has sex all the time. Neither is a gay person. There's bills to pay. There's kids. There's 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 uh, vacations. There's jobs, profession, career, family, friends. I mean, just like anybody else, we are the same. And so people are beginning to see that today. 
And that is the difference, I feel. Um, that's the difference. And fortunately, you know, we have come such a long way. And yeah, we things are better overall. But what I was trying to say was there are still enormous amounts of people who are completely hate, who completely hate gay people. Um, you know, there are plenty of people on, on BTR, on Spreaker, online, in the media, in government, in the world who hate gay people and, and just abhor us because they were brainwashed by other people. And that's what I was getting at a minute ago is if you think for yourself, you get to know someone who's gay and you don't know someone who is, how can you judge someone who is? You can't judge something if you've never attempted to understand it. And most people who don't like gay people don't know them. That's the truth. Most people who don't like gay people don't know a gay person or they don't know that they know a gay person. A lot of times people who are really anti-gay end up having a gay child or a gay relative or something like that or, or a friend of theirs comes out to them or something like that. To me, that's karma and that's there to teach them a lesson. It's as I told my father when he, I told him I was gay a few years ago because uh, we didn't talk for so long. And I told him that I was gay. He said, he said, I think I'm here to help you and to teach you to teach you a lesson. That's why I'm here and, and teach you that being gay is wrong. And I told him, I said, have you ever thought that maybe the reason that I'm in your life now is to teach you the lesson? And that is what I tried to explain to him is that I'm not the one who needs to change. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not going to change. Gay people are what they are. They are who they are. And to act as if we could be something else is to say we can change the color of our eyes, the color of our hair naturally, the color of our hair naturally, the color of our eyes, the height we are, or whatever, or, or our personalities. It is no different. And so um, it's not always about those fucking bigots out there um, who you know still exist. Sometimes people exist who are our, our allies. Um uh, so I was reading what Chris is saying. People will always hate for one reason or another. If it's not because you're gay, it's because you smoke or because you're fat or because you like to do your work at midnight. <laughs> People are nuts. Yeah, it's true. And I think, I don't know, is it really human nature? Is it human nature to hate people or human nature to just always find the negative in things? I don't think it honestly is human nature. I think it is the society. I think it's societal conditioning, you know, it's societal conditioning to to compare ourselves to other people and make ourselves feel like we are better than someone else in some fashion. And so I don't really think it's necessarily human nature. Maybe it is, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it is human nature that it's part of our survival instinct to um, see how we, we stack up and how we actually uh, compare to people. And so when we find something that is considered to be a deficit in a human being, we call that out, we pick it out so that people see that, oh, look, I'm better than that person. And so that we survive. And so maybe it's some, some subconscious, uh, subconscious instinctual reaction, you know, like evolutionary reaction to uh, the way we live in society. I don't know, but who knows? Uh, David says, hell, I have a trifecta, gay, black, and fat. <laughs> yeah, David, I know that's gotta be, that's gotta be hard. That has gotta be hard. I know. And I told you that too before, David, the fact that you are, you are a true black person. You are a black person, not a not half black. Uh, you're a black person and you are gay. And that is much more, that's a much different experience than what I've had to, to deal with. It doesn't mean, I don't think yours is any more painful as than mine has been. You may disagree with me. Um, I think that they're both very painful roads to travel. But I think that um, they're different types of 
experiences that cause the same types of pain, if that makes any sense. So you may disagree with me on that, but I've known many gay, I mean, I've had many, I have many gay friends that are black now and I've got many gay friends who are white, I have gay friends who are Hispanic, I have all kinds of friends and, and all of their experiences are different in terms of what race they are and what combination of things they have to deal with, whether it's like someone who's Asian and they're, and they're gay or someone who's black and handicapped or someone who's, you know, white and blind or, or whatever. So everybody, I've always said this and I believe this, everybody has something. Some people just have more than others, unfortunately, to deal with. That's, that's deemed to be um, a deficit in our society, but it's only a deficit if you see it as such. And I don't see them as deficits. I see them as beautiful because honestly, the world would be so fucking ugly, boring, and completely un intolerable if we were all the fucking same. I mean, you know, there's that song, if everybody looked the same, we would get tired of each other. That song I play occasionally. That's the truth because my God, think how fucking boring the life would be if everybody was exactly the same, looked the same way, had the same experiences. You couldn't learn. No one would learn shit. It's because we're different, because we look different, we act different, we have different experiences that we learn from one another. So that's what I want to leave you with. So anyway, <laughs> so I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. I will be back on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. Um, what am I doing Wednesday? Uh, I gotta look at my schedule because <laughs> I have a schedule. I don't really stay with it all the time. Uh, Wednesday, we're doing the Off Limits show. And I'm sure we'll talk about something very important and very deep, but I don't know what it's going to be yet. So I'll let you know. So I thank you for listening. David, thank you for coming to the show. Chris, thank you for coming to the show. Rose, thank you for coming to the show. Anybody else who's listening to the show later, I appreciate it. And I'll be back. If you want to check me out, you can go to offlimitsshow.com, speaker.com, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as. Um, on iTunes. Thanks. Have a good night. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath. Scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I said quietly, agreed politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point.
on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 